I tell you, I love our production team. Our production team made that video. Let's give them a hand. It's great. We love being creative here at Lake Point Church and using uh, the gifts and the people that God has uh, given to us. Well, welcome to week one of the Aftermath series. And uh, if you're joining us just now online, my name is Frank Bennett, lead pastor here at Lake Point Church. And um, during this COVID-19 isolation that we have been experiencing, had an opportunity, obviously, as, as a lot of you did, to spend a lot of time alone and to spend a lot of time in prayer seeking the Lord. All right, Lord, what do you want to tell us? I mean, how do you follow up with a, something like the coronavirus and, and what, we've been, what we've been doing, what we've been going through? And so as, as I was praying and seeking uh, the Lord, just this word aftermath just kept coming into my head and my spirit. And I was like, okay, Lord, you want us to talk about the aftermath? What, what, is, what does that mean? What, what do you want to tell us through this? And I actually had to, uh, had to look up the definition of that. And the definition of aftermath, as it states, is something that results or follows from an event, especially one of a disastrous or unfortunate nature. Well, I would say that COVID-19 was a disastrous and unfortunate nature. And, you know, it's still obviously still ongoing, even though we're, we're trying our best to crawl out of this and, and see what the new normal is and everything. But this, this aftermath is something that we could be experiencing some of that now. But obviously, we're not totally out of the storm. Before an aftermath happens, there has to be a storm. Well, then the storm gets bigger, and it's a different storm. It's literally fighting a hurricane and a tornado and an avalanche at the same time. And that storm is, is all the racial tension and racial riots that are happening right now. And you know, we're we're not going to go into all kinds of different sides or that kind of stuff. We, we made a statement last week on this stage how we feel about racism. It was bold. And if you want to go back and listen to that, you can. It was a bold statement. And uh, we, don't, we, don't, we don't stand for that. We don't, uh, obviously, in, in our church, our people, um, we don't stand for that. We don't um, acknowledge that. Now, we do not acknowledge that, that race wars exist, absolutely. We're not going to turn a blind eye to that. But we're also not going to support what's going on with riots. Now, people wanting to uh, protest in this country, absolutely. We have the right, we have the freedom to do that. Uh, but obviously, when lives, are when lives are changed forever because of, of more killings and businesses are changed forever because of looting, it's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. So the storm is still raging and getting bigger and bigger while the aftermath is waiting the scripture is full of aftermath stories. Throughout God's word, there's lots of aftermaths. Again, there are storms that brew. There are things that happen in the scripture. And then there's an aftermath. And so we're going to look at that over the course of the next few weeks. What does an aftermath look like? And how is there beauty within the fallout of the aftermath? 
And so today, we're actually going to not visit an aftermath, but we're actually going to visit a storm. We're going to visit a storm today. And this storm is really that we're going to see in Scripture, and I'm going to be in Acts chapter 27 if you want to get your copy of God's Word uh, ready. But this storm that is, that is brewing in, in this passage of Scripture today, it's, it's really one of the biggest storms that's in the Bible, that's recorded in the Bible, and it's one of the most uh, descriptive storms. Now, Noah and the flood was a bigger storm. But regarding the description of, of the play-by-play of what happens in the storm, it's, it's very, very descriptive. And in fact, and I'm going to get you, you ready for this. So for those of you who are a little bit ADD or a little ADHD, I'm a little bit of a mixture of both, um, I'm going to get you ready for this. So get ready because we are going to read the entire chapter of Acts chapter 27. Now, for those of you who are in, my, in our small group, you've already kind of done this. And I tell you, uh, I love our small group. And if you're not involved in a small group, we have small groups for you uh, listening online. You, you can go to lakepointonline.com slash grow. Just the word grow, and, and, and you could fill out a form on how you can um, be involved in a small group and how you can uh, be a part of Right Now Media, which has some uh, videos that you can watch and grow in your faith. But, but our small group was, had been going through the book of Acts, one chapter a week. Well, this past Wednesday, we were on, on Acts chapter 27, and during uh, this time together, um, I actually, in our discussion, I changed the course of this message. Uh, the, the discussion, my small group, the, the conversation was so powerful, and the word of God was so powerful that I changed the course of my message today. I was, I was gonna go in a little bit of a different direction. I was gonna start with an aftermath. But then I was thinking, no, we need to start with the storm. Because what happens in the storm will often determine what happens in the aftermath. And so my small group, you, you've already read through this. That's great. And for those who maybe, maybe you're falling by, behind in your, in your personal quiet time, either here today or sitting online, guess what? We're going to catch up today as we read a whole chapter and so, um, but as you get ready for Acts chapter 27, we're going to have the scripture on screen and obviously on the device that you're watching online, and uh, you can have it on your copy of God's Word or the mobile app. But Paul, let me set this up, Paul had been on a, a, just several missionary journeys. That's really, the book of Acts was originally called the Acts of the Apostles, so they just cut it short, Acts. But it is, it's a story of the acts of what they did at the apostles. And so Paul had been touring that part, of the, that part of the world and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. The Gentiles are people who are not Jews. You have Jews, you have Gentiles. And so Paul had been preaching the gospel and planting churches all throughout the known world. And so, ultimately, God had spoken to him that he needed to go to Rome. And so, 
um, Paul and uh, Luke, by the way, Luke was, uh, was with Paul. He wrote uh, the book of Acts, and he also wrote the gospel of Luke. And, um, and as, as uh, uh, Luke is writing, he's actually writing this letter. It's actually a letter to uh, Theophilus. And so Theophilus, which is a, uh, he's a government official, Roman official, and so Luke is telling him about, hey, here, here's what's happened. Here's what's happened. After, after Christ rose from the dead and after he ascended into heaven, here's what happened. I mean, the book of Acts is, is very important to our faith. So here we find Paul had, had been arrested, had been falsely accused, of course, by the Jewish leaders, and so he appealed to Rome because he's not only a Jew, not only a Pharisee, but he's also a Roman citizen. So he appealed to Caesar, and uh, so he's going to Caesar. He's going to Rome. And so they are having to travel many, many miles over to Rome. In fact, I have a, I have a graphic, a map that you can, uh, we're going to flash it on the screen. You'll see basically this journey that he, he goes on. You can do a Google search and you can find uh, this, uh, this particular map. But we're going to see uh, basically a shipwreck today. We're going to read about it. And, uh, and I'm telling you, this is going to speak to you because it deals exactly with what we're going through. No, we're not on a boat. <laughs> we're not, we're not gonna go on a shipwreck literally, but I'm telling you what, there are lots of lives right now who have been shipwrecked because of what has happened over the course of the last few months. So if you have your copy of God's Word, get ready. Y'all, all you ADD people, all right, you ready? I'm talking to myself too, okay? Online, you ready? Here we go. Acts chapter 27, verses 1 through 44. It says this, when it was decided that we would sail for Italy, and just know, Luke is writing this. He's with Paul. Paul and some other prisoners were handed over to a centurion named Julius. Say Julius. That's for all you ADD people, keeping you on, okay? Who belonged to the Imperial Regiment. We boarded a ship from um, Adramedium, about to sail for ports along the coast of the province of Asia. And we put out to sea. Aristarchus, a Macedonian, a gentleman, he's a gentleman, a Macedonian from Thessalonica was with us. The next day we landed at Sidon. And Julius, Julius, remember, was the centurion, okay, the guard, in kindness to Paul, allowed him to go to his friends so they might provide for his needs. Again, they're in Sidon. From there we put out to sea again, and passed to the lake, to the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were against us. When we had sailed across the open sea off the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we landed at Myra in Lycia. There, the centurion found an Alexandrian ship sailing for Italy and put us on board. We made slow headway for many days and had difficulty arriving off Snidus. When the wind did not allow us to hold our course, we sailed to the Lee of Crete, opposite Salmone. 
We moved along the coast with difficulty and came to a place called Fair Havens. Sounds like a nice resort place. Near the town of La Cie. Many time, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement, which is around September, October. So Paul warned them, man, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot, the captain, and of the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided, so they took a vote, they decided that we should sail on hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So I'm going to take a break here for all you ADD people. Put up the map again if you don't mind. So we have the map. Okay, do you kind of see what's happening? See what's happening? They're over there. See Phoenix down at the bottom center. See Fair Havens. Okay, all of that. That's kind of where they're at. And they wanted to go over to Phoenix, but a, a wind that started off gently grew into a major storm. We're at verse 13, if we want to go and put that scripture on there now. So when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity, so they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force named, called the Northeastern. So they, they didn't name their hurricanes except by the, uh, the type swept down from the island. The ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Cauda, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure, so the men hoisted it aboard. Then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Syrtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands when, they, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Now just remember, Paul is not a sailor. He's a tent maker, okay? And he was a former Pharisee and he's a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the reason he knew is because he's in touch with God. So then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. Verse 22. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. That sounds scary. 
Verse 27. On the 14th night, everybody say 14. Okay, 14 night. That's, that's two weeks. Two weeks caught in this storm. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea. When about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. Remember, they can't see anything. No stars, no sun, okay? They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that they would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. Everybody's praying. <laughs> Whether they believe in God or not, they're praying to something. In the attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men, these sailors, stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Hey, it's, it's all or nothing. That's what he's saying. Verse 32, so the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboats and let it drift away. Then, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread, gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. All together, there were 276 of us on board. Now, I'm going to stop there. Some of you were probably thinking this is kind of a boat, small boat, a few guys, maybe 20 30 people, 276 people on board. That is a lot of people. That's a big boat. When they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. When daylight came, they did not recognize the land, but they saw a bay with the sandy beach where, uh, where they decided to run the ship aground if they could. Cutting loose the anchors, they left them in the sea and at the same time untied the ropes that held the rudders. Then they hoisted the foresail to the wind and made for the beach. But the ship struck a sandbar and ran aground. The bow stuck fast and would not move and the stern was broken to pieces by the pounding of the surf. The soldiers planned to kill the prisoners to prevent any of them from swimming away and escaping, but the centurion wanted to spare Paul's life and kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those who could swim to jump overboard first and get to land. The rest were to get there on planks or on other pieces of the ship, and this way, everyone reached land safely. All right, congratulations. You just read a chapter in God's Word. It's awesome, here on a Sunday. So you could check that off for your Bible reading today. Now the reason we did that whole chapter, because I, want us, I wanted us to get a full picture of what is happening here in this storm. 276 people in the midst of this, 14 days just being tossed around at sea. They can't see anything the, the stars, it can't be navigated by the stars. 
by the sun. So they're in this major, major storm. We are in a storm right now. We have been in this COVID-19 storm. People have been sick, and they're still getting sick. There are people wearing masks as well as they, they should. We have the mask wearers and the non-mask wearers, okay? Whatever, doesn't matter. There's freedom in Christ, amen? All right, so we have people who, uh, the, the words social distancing, never heard those two words put together before in my life until now. I'm sick of those two words. I'm done with those two words. Social distancing. Churches, we're able to meet. Not everyone's here. Rest are joining us online. But there are many churches still not meeting. There are lots of empty church parking lots. Schools, what are schools gonna do? What is that gonna look like? Lots of questions. And then, hey, let's throw in something else in the mix. Let's, let's have these, these race riots and this horrible, on film, death of a black man by a police officer. And it's created a major storm. Police are attacked. Police lives are, 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 are being killed. Not just police. Other people's lives are being killed. And yes, every life matters. Businesses are being looted. Cars, businesses set on fire. We are in the middle of the storm. Oh, and by the way, did you know last night we had an asteroid about six times the size of, of, of football fields and put six football fields together, and that's about how, how big this asteroid, you know, it kind of zoomed by Earth last night. Let's just throw that in. I mean, why don't we just have an, a UFO show up and beam up half of people? I mean, it's crazy. You know, I just, I just want to, I mean, has someone put the REM song, It's the End of the World as We Know It, on repeat? I feel like that is what is happening. What do we do with all of this? What does the church do? Because I'm going to tell you something, and we're getting into this, but there's a ton of voices out there. There's, you, you could spend all day reading about this person's opinion, and this person's opinion, and this party's opinion, and this party's opinion, and, and it, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. It's as if we put blindfolds on and we're driving down the road and we say, all right, good luck. We don't know, as a society, as a culture, where to go. We're lost. But the church has the answer. The church has the answer. Church, listening online, you have the answer. If you follow Jesus Christ, if you have the Holy Spirit inside you, and if you read this book, you have the answer. So, during this storm, I'm gonna talk to you today about what not to do and what to do. What not to do and what to do. So, 
if you want to take notes, I've got a few points here, not many. You can watch, if you're watching online, I encourage you to take notes. You can actually do this in your, the, our Bible app, and you can actually send those notes to yourself. Pretty cool. So, what not to do. What do we learn from this storm of what not to do? First of all, what not to do. Listen to worldly advice. We do not need to listen to worldly advice. We see this in chapter, 11, in chapter 27, verse 11. It says this, but the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Now you may say, well, well, Pastor Frank, we should be listening to the professionals. We should be listening to those who, who know what they're doing. Yes, we could be listening to them. But we, if all we listen to are the professionals, we're, we're going right off the cliff. I'm not saying that they're always going to give us bad advice. But they're... There's too many voices out there. Even the professionals are contradicting each other. Have, have you seen that? Even the same people are contradicting themselves. The politicians are contradicting themselves. One side says this, another side says this. Different groups of people are contradicting themselves. It's extremely confusing. So in the midst of confusion, and that storm that we, that we read in, in, in Acts chapter 27, there's lots of confusion. What do we do? You've got to listen to those who are walking with the Lord. Those who are walking with the Lord. You're listening online. If you're, if you're living in fear right now, you're living in fear right now, no matter what the situation is, no matter if it's coronavirus or the race riots or whatever, just, just know this. You need to be listening to people who are walking with the Lord. And you get people in your life who are walking with the Lord. If you, if you, if you tune in to something online, social media, whatever, you need to make sure you're listening to people who have a walk with the Lord and their life shows it. And they leave a trail behind them of walking with the Lord. So there's a ton of voices out there. But let me tell you, as I have spent lots of time listening to people and watching people, because I, I'm trying to figure out what, what's, our, what's our culture saying? You know, if we're going to reach our culture, we need to understand where they're at. And right now, they don't know where they're at. But as I have watched and I listen, the people that are making the most sense are people who are walking with the Lord. They're walking with the Lord. Those are the people who are making the most sense. Church, if you're walking with the Lord, you have a voice. We'll get to that in a moment. Another thing we should not be doing is voting during a storm. <laughs> we should not be voting during a storm. In, in that storm, verse 12, since a harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. So in the middle of the storm, we should not be 
voting on things. Now, it's important to vote. We vote here at, at Lake Point Church. We, we vote on a budget, on a yearly meeting. We, we've voted to, uh, to acquire a future property. We, we have voted on things here at the church. But we've spent lots of time in prayer. We were not in the middle of a storm and we prepared ourselves for this vote. You should not just on a rash decision, hey, let's just vote. No prayer, no counsel from the Lord. Let's out of all the Holy Spirit, let's just vote. We're gonna vote from our hearts. We're just gonna vote from our feelings. You know, in scripture, that has not turned out really, really well. You know, when, when you vote, when you vote during a storm, you, you vote to go back to Egypt to be slaves again. When you vote during a storm, you vote to bring a king, a king on uh, to, to your country, your first ever king, whenever God is saying, wait, hold on a second, I thought I was your king. Why do you wanna do this? This is not my will. When you vote during a storm, you vote to stone a woman to death, caught in sin. When you vote during a storm, you vote to crucify the Son of God. Um, votes in, in storms divide people. Votes in storms divide people. It, it makes us choose sides. It makes us to choose sides. When you are caught in storms of life, don't seek worldly counsel and don't seek a vote. Don't follow your heart. Follow your Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit that's living inside you. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside you, and if you're not feeding that Holy Spirit prayer and time with God, then that Holy Spirit voice is gonna be very faint. So don't follow your heart, follow the Holy Spirit. Another thing we should not be doing is control the situation. Control the situation. Take over the situation. You know, we're seeing that play out right now in our society. People are taking control of the situation. And it, it's leading to, to lives being lost, businesses gone forever. You know, we see in this, in this story, you know, in, in verse 16, it tells us, uh, they secure the lifeboats. Verse 17 tells us they tied ropes around the ship to try to protect it from coming apart. Verse 18 tells us they began to throw cargo overboard. Verse 19 tells us they threw their tackle overboard. So they're taking control of a situation, but they're not going to the one who's in control. They're not sending it to the one who's in control. And the result is that we see in verse 20 is they all gave up hope. It says that, verse 20. The end sentence, gave up all hope of being saved. Oh, they tried everything. They tried, they took control, and they gave up hope. Have you lost hope? Have you lost hope? Have you been in this situation in your life where you may have lost hope? You're giving up. You try to take care of a situation. You try to force something. And then 
you're now at the point to where you're losing hope. Maybe losing hope of, of your marriage. Maybe losing hope of, of an unruly child who is not respecting you. Maybe losing hope because the cancer has returned. Maybe you're losing hope because you lost a job or, or business. Maybe you're losing hope because, you know, you keep, maybe you, you tried dating and dating and you just, man, I can't find someone who really follows God, so I'm just gonna give, lose hope and I'm gonna lower my standard. It's not the answer. Um, when we try to take charge with our own strength, without the help of God the Father, the Holy Spirit, then we end up losing hope. You know, the response is don't, don't repeat the mistakes. Don't try to fix things in your own power. Don't write, make rash decisions. Just seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. So again, what you shouldn't do, what not to do in the middle of a storm, listen to worldly advice. Don't vote during a storm. And don't try to control the situation with your own strength. So what do we do? I'm gonna give you three things, and we're gonna close. What are some things you can do? Well, I wanna remind you of something that the, the captain of this ship, of 276 people, and, and his team of, of sailors. So just imagine this ship. So imagine pirates of the Caribbean, and I'm not saying these guys are pirates, but I mean, it's probably pretty close to that, this, this crew of sailors. And they're on this ship, and they have no compass. A comp the compass wasn't invented until 1100. They have no compass. They, they have no stars. It's, I mean, it's been a storm for 14 days. They have no sun. They, they didn't have, the Bible says that. They have no way to see what is going on. It's hard to know what to do in this situation. They're in the middle of the storm. What do we do? Can I tell you, church, you have the compass. You have the compass. Imagine if they're in the middle of the storm and they don't know what to do and it's, and it's close to day 14 or in the middle of the storm and someone comes up and says, hey, I have this device here that points north. You know, maybe we should use that. Of course, it wasn't invented, but you and I have God's word. In fact, you and I have a compass, a real compass, something Paul didn't have, and you have the complete God's word, something that Paul didn't have. He had the book of Acts. He was living it. It was literally being recorded. And so, you and I have the compass. So what do we do? What do we learn from this passage of Scripture that we can do in the middle of a storm? Here we go, three things. Number one, wait and trust. If you remember, Paul stayed out of making decisions or speaking up until he heard from God. I'm sure he's thinking, sitting on the boat, maybe a corner of the boat, just watching the captain and watching all these 276 people and these people making decisions and these sailors going around everywhere. He's thinking, hmm, I wonder what Jesus would do. 
Maybe he had a WWJD bracelet on, and he's just thinking, what would Jesus do in this situation? You know, what is the Holy Spirit trying to tell me? He's off in a corner praying, and he's waiting for God to speak, waited to hear from God. Y'all, don't make a rash decision. Don't hurry up in the middle of a storm. You want to wait and hear from God. It is our nature to want to fix things very fast. Say, oh, this is a problem. Well, I'm, I'm going to step in, and I'm going to fix it, and we're just going to do this. God's like, wait, wait, wait. I was about to step in, but okay. Your way's a little harder, but you know. And so you, we got to wait and trust. Wait and trust for the economy to come back. It's going to come back as, we, as you trust the Lord. Wait and trust for your retirement to build back up again. Wait and trust for justice to have its final say, especially in the situation that we've witnessed on, on TV. So wait and trust. Number two, obey your faith. Obey your faith. Not only did Paul seek God and have faith in the plan. But he acted in obedience to what he said. Our actions don't always follow our beliefs, but they need to. You know, it's, it's easy to, to wait and trust in God. God, I'm gonna trust in you to do these things. I'm gonna trust in you that you're in control. I'm gonna wait to hear from you, and, and, and you're gonna give me direction, and then we stop there. Believers, those watching online, we often stop there. We don't follow up with steps of faith. We have to put feet, feet to our faith. We have to put feet to our faith. This is what Paul did. He acted in obedience. We know intellectually, we believe in our hearts that God's way is right, but our actions don't always follow what we say or what we believe. We may believe, oh, I need to, I need to love my spouse. I need to love my spouse like Jesus loved the church. But then our actions may speak a different belief. Or you may say, we need to love our enemies. But then we flip off a driver, give them the middle finger for cutting us off. Yes, that person that you've never met and you don't know their name and you may not ever see them again. Yeah, that person is your neighbor. Uh, or we may say, well, I trust God. God's gonna take care of my needs. God's gonna take care of my finances. But then you don't tithe. I mean, tithing to the Lord is putting feet to your faith of what you believe God's gonna take care of your needs. Do not say God's gonna take care of your needs and believe that if you're not tithing. I mean, that, 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 that's in here. <laughs> I mean, that's not my opinion. Um, or you may say, you know, I, I, uh, I believe that God can save people 
I believe God can, God can save you. There's a lot of people that, that need to be saved. There's a lot, I'm watching online, not saying that everybody who is, who's looting and rioting are going to hell, not saying that at all. They're, they're confused, absolutely. Are, are people rioting right now? Could they be going to hell? Yes. Could some of them be saved? Yes. That's between them and the Lord. But there's a lot of people we see online right now that need to be saved. There are a lot of people just in your neighborhood that need to be saved. Don't think, don't live your life with the belief that God can save everyone when you're not sharing your faith to others. If you're not sharing your faith to others, then you really don't believe that God can save anyone. Okay? I mean, just, that's, that's how it is. That's putting feet to your faith. Putting feet to your faith. And it's one thing to stand against racism and to even maybe change your Instagram profile or your, your Facebook to all black, to all black lives matter. It's one thing to to stand against that. It's another thing to actually have black people as some of your best friends. I encourage y'all last week to look in your phone. Did you do that? Look in your phone. You, I encourage you to, and I challenge you to make sure you have at least five people of color in your phone. Not just a number, their name. And you could call them at any time. And so, if, if you believe that racism is bad, but you, you, don't, you don't really associate with people of color, that's not putting feet to your faith or to your belief. It's not. I'm, just, I'm speaking real. I'm sorry I should have warned you to bring your steel-toed boots this morning stepping on some toes, but I'm sorry. Actually, I'm not sorry. We, we need to speak the truth. We need to speak the truth. We as believers, we have the compass. And I'm telling you what, some of the problems that we're seeing right now is because the church overlooked a lot of this, most of this, for years. and We did nothing about it. We didn't. We didn't speak up. And that comes to my last thing. It's time to speak boldly. Speak boldly. You know, Paul stood up and addressed the other passengers. Yeah. The, uh, the centurion uh, finally listened to Paul and uh, you know, he, he, Paul did not seek the approval to speak. We don't have record that Paul went up to the centurion and said, hey, um, Mr. Soldier, sir, could I, could I just speak to the crowd? Uh-uh. If God tells you to speak something and, and, and say something and live your life by a certain way that follows your belief, then you need to do it. You don't need people's approval. You just need the leading of God and the Holy Spirit. And so 
Paul actually became the leader. Did you see the switch in that story? You know, the centurion was the one calling the shots. And then all of a sudden, leadership switched from the centurion, the government official, to who? The man of God. The man of God. It just happened. He waited, Paul waited to hear from the Lord, and then he decided to obey and put feet to his belief. I believe God's going to get us out of here. He put feet to that, and then he spoke up and said something, and he took over without seeking permission. He had permission from God. That's all you need. And so, there was a change of leadership. There will be people not listening to you or respecting you. That's what, that's what Paul experienced in this story at the beginning. He made a suggestion. They, they, they disregarded that. Paul's like, all right. All right, I'm just gonna go back in my corner here. And so there's gonna be people not listening to you, but eventually they will. Why? As you navigate the storms by waiting and trusting and obeying your faith, obeying what God has told you. Everyone in this room, everyone listening online, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have the compass and you have the permission to speak boldly. Students, middle school, high school students, even college students, you have the permission to speak boldly. Do not let things that go against your belief go said and, and you do nothing about. You need to speak up. People will follow you. They will. Because you're following God. You're following God. So there are things not to do in the middle of a storm. And there are things that we must do in the middle of a storm. So church, I want to encourage you. It's your time. It's your time. We are the ones, collectively, I know there's some, some believers out there, they're, you know, they're not really saying the right things. But collectively, as the bride of Christ, we are making the most sense out of this. And eventually, it's going to switch from a governing official, yes, including President Trump, what he says and tweets and whatever, what he says, it's going to switch of leadership to the church. And that is what God is telling us through this story. I believe. Through this story, God is saying, church, it's time for you to be the leader. Which means, you can't be saying stupid stuff on social media. You can't be saying what's on your heart. Don't say what's on your heart. And definitely don't say what's on your mind. That's not how we act. Say what the Spirit is telling you. Say what the Spirit is telling you. Wait and trust, obey in faith, speak boldly. It's our time. 
Not because, hey, look at us, we're the church. No, look at Christ, the groom of the church, who's going to come back for us, and, and I just, I wish he was on that meteor. You know, just get a little closer, all right? Just come, come quickly, Lord Jesus. As I close, there's some here today, maybe listening online, you're Maybe you're thinking you're in a storm, but you're in a storm of sin, meaning that, you know, maybe you have found yourself overreacting to all of this. I don't care what side you're on, okay? It doesn't matter. And maybe you're finding yourself that you're just, you're just acting irrationally. Or, or maybe your life is not really the life that you know you should be living. Or maybe there's just a big hole in the center of your heart that can only be filled by something you just don't know. You've tried many different things. You're in a storm of sin and you don't know how to get out and the waves have been battering against you and, and you're just lost at sea. It's dark, there's no, there's no stars, there's no sun and you don't have a compass. Can I tell you something? You have a compass. You have a compass right here. You could believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Accept him as Lord. He's gonna come and live inside you and then you're going to have the desire to just eat up this book and then the Holy Spirit is gonna speak to you and to show you how to, how to act and is gonna make your stomach sick to the sin that you used to go to every day. And so you're trapped in a storm of sin. Just like what, what I shared. What do you do? Don't listen to worldly advice. Don't listen to your friend to try to do all these things. Man, if you just smoked a little bit of this, you'll just kind of, you know, it's so spiritual, you know? Don't, don't choose sides. Don't vote during your storm of sin. Don't vote, meaning, oh, well, should I go to church? Should I not go to church? You know, get some, hey, should I try this? Should I not try this? Trust the sound that is on the other side of your heart that sounds like the knocking of a door. Trust that sound. Now, it's not a banging sound. It's not your landlord trying to con collect your rent. It's a new friend that wants to come in. And he's knocking on your door. And you're the one that needs to open the door. And his name is Jesus. And don't try to control your sin. Don't try to say, oh, I can, I can handle this. I can stop doing this stuff. No, you can't. Not on your own. You can't. You may for a season, but it's going to keep coming back. And you need to have a, a way to, to live with the shame, the guilt that keeps haunting you. You do. And so you, you could be living life without hope. Why? Just like the sailors they were without hope of being saved. That's what the Bible said, verse 20. They were without hope of being saved. Why? 
because they listened to worldly advice, they took a vote in the middle of the storm, and they tried to control their situation. If you're trying to do that, you're going to live without hope. But Jesus is your hope, and Jesus is your compass in the middle of the storm. And just like Paul said, the plan is for not anyone to lose their life. That's God's plan. God doesn't want anyone to be sent for hell. Remember, hell was not created for you, for me. It was created for devil and his angels. And so his plan is that as we're all in this boat together, humanity, his plan is for everyone on this boat to arrive safely, even in the midst of a shipwreck. And he is there with you. Just every head bowed, every eye closed as we close this out. I just feel like there's people, whether you're here or listening online, here just, uh, you're lost at sea. There's a storm in your life and you just don't know what to do. You've tried to take care of it yourself and you've lost all hope. You've gotten opinions of others, but you haven't sought the counsel of people who are following Christ. This is your official counsel if you're listening right now. Follow Jesus. Accept Jesus. He is the one that can help you. Jesus is here. Jesus is right there in your living room. He's right there listening. Maybe you're going for a walk or maybe you're driving in your car. Jesus is right there with you and he's knocking on the heart's door. And all you do all you need to do is simply receive it. Open the door by saying, Jesus, I'm letting you in. Jesus, please forgive me my sin. Please be Lord of my life. Please save me from my sin. I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you, have accept, if you have prayed that prayer and if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, even just right now, I want to hear about it. Whether you're here, uh, you can tell me in the lobby or if you're watching online, send an email to pastor at lakepointonline.com. I'd love to hear about it. We're going to give you an opportunity to grow in your faith. But church, can I tell you something? There are people you know who are in the middle of a storm and they're lost at sea. And they don't know how to get out of it. You have the compass. And it's time for you to take over leadership and be the voice that people need to hear.